Good evening. It's five o'clock on Tuesday, 6th of Feb, and after quite a long hiatus, um, welcome back, uh, viewers and listeners, old and new, to What Comes Next Live. Um, my guest this week is Julie Smith, um, who is all about confidence. <laughs> and I'm very pleased that my dear friend and past guest on the show, uh, Dr. Carrie Goucher, introduced us and the main thing I know um, about Julie is that she has a book coming out in just on two weeks. So welcome back and thank you for being my relaunch guest, Julie. It's a pleasure. I'm feeling a slight pressure about being the first in the sort of new series, but I'm going to try and put that to one side. Good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is a free-flowing uh, conversation. Um, what comes next for you is quite probably for the the podcast audience, Julie has an immaculately curated Zoom background, which I'm guessing is her new book or multiple copies thereof. It certainly so is. Let's start out with the Graham Norton sofa type plug, because <laughs> it's not just why you're here, but just happens we booked this ages ago, but happens to be well timed. So tell us a bit yeah. about the book and, uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I probably should get shot by my publisher for, um, just passing on the opportunity just for a moment. I just wanted to pick up on something you said, um, as you introduced me, if that's okay. And then we'll kind of get, we'll get to the book. Um, the, the thing that I noticed was you talked about me being all about confidence and it really struck me, um, for two reasons. So one is, Actually, I feel like I've got a bit of a thing going on that is um, I don't want to end up talking about the book so much that I pigeonhole myself as the person who blathers on about confidence and that that's like that's what I do. So I've got a thing going on about, um, you know, my work being broader than that, about leadership, um, confidence as part of leadership, I think quite an important part, but it's absolutely not the whole so that was one thing. And the other thing that I think is, really struck me about uh, Julia's All About Confidence is just the irony of the fact that I'm feeling really nervous right now. And the sort of the irony of the whole the whole kind of meta uh, process of writing a book about confidence and what that does to your own confidence and how my kind of confidence or, or self-doubt has has kind of come with me Um through that process. So yeah, that was just what I, I thought, gosh, that really strikes me from that introduction. Oh, uh, well, excellent. And um, my apology for just instinctively going with that and also like just acknowledge you for coming straight back and saying, look, this is what hit me about it. Uh, particularly the first yeah. one, uh, not wanting to be pigeonholed. Um, because yeah, you, those other things you do just, uh, for, I, I don't do show notes. So people have to listen. So often get it out of the way, either the beginning or the end. Um, but yeah. in terms of your business is, uh, where would people find you online, Julie? Uh, yeah. So my business is called Talent Sprout. Um, there is a brand new website uh, on its way at talentsprout.co.uk. Um, and yeah, that talks about my coaching offer. So individuals, teams organizations but uh yeah yeah um 
so there's a lot that people can find out about you there. And of course they can talk to you. They can listen to you talking now. Indeed. um, Indeed. What's the next thing? (laughs) So just talk about listen, you know? Yeah. So the next thing, it really, it feels so apt, Tom, that you invited me to, to speak on the podcast and that, um, uh, you know, the title of it, the premise of it, mm-hmm. and that I'm doing it today because I really have this sense of um, being on the, I was going to say precipice. I think that's interesting, quite Freudian, you know, what does that mean in the way I'm thinking, but on the edge of something new. So I've got this real awareness of a phase coming to an end, which is the phase of creating a book, Um a phase which I've loved and I've learned an enormous amount. Um, and that sort of phase being replaced by this next thing, which is it being out in the world and my words and my thinking being available for other people to read. And I think both my, I'm just aware of both my kind of hopes and fears about that next bit. Um, and the excitement that I feel like I've been practicing with this sort of new bit of my identity that I am an author. So mm-hmm. it doesn't quite feel like it's still a bit strange to say that. And I feel that in a couple of weeks time when the, when the book is officially published, that that will become fully real, if that makes sense. So there's a bit of a sort of an identity mm-hmm. growth. Um, yeah, something else that I'll be able to say that I do. Um, so in a couple of weeks time when it's been published or maybe a couple of weeks after that, when you've mm-hmm. done some events and some interviews, et cetera, what can you imagine it will feel like when you wake up one morning and you, you might have one of those moments where you go, it lands on you. Oh, I'm an author. What might that feel like? Yeah. Gosh. Um, so the first word that popped into my head when you answered that, asked that question was proud. Hmm. Cause I do feel enormously proud of myself for actually getting to this point. So there's a, there's a, you know, I've had a sort of, um, I think a, a desire to write a book for years just cause I love books and I love writing. So it feels like a kind of, you know, sensible thing to do. Um, but you also need an idea and an idea that you want to live with for in an intense way for a period of time to actually write the thing. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, that that came together kind of 12 ish months ago. And I do feel really proud to have gone from an intention to a, a thing that I can have 20 copies of behind me and that I can, t- you know, feel good about that. That is a book um, which I did, haven't you. You you invited me to plug it, and I don't think I've actually said the name of it yet, so uh-huh. I will get be in trouble with my publisher. So it's called Coach Your Self-Confidence, mm-hmm. um, and I will have a – yeah, I feel proud that that will be out in the world, and I'm very much looking forward to the moment that I can walk into a Waterstones and find it on the shelf and do a, do a really cheesy selfie. That's going to be a big moment. Excellent. Um <laughs> Well, you know, maybe it becomes the best. Hopefully it becomes a, uh, quite a big seller and it's in airports or train stations. And when you go through there, you can do the Neil Gaiman thing and sign it in random <laughs> bookshops. He has a thing about doing that. 
Um, you never know. You never know. So you, part of your multifaceted self is that you coach people around leadership. Yes. Um, yes. So I'm fascinated by the title of the book. Yeah. So coach yourself. So tell tell us yeah. about coach yourself confident. So I guess they, um, there's probably a couple of ways to answer that. The first is that I have certainly, I've been really kind of struck by how many of the leaders who I've coached have wanted to work on their confidence. Um, uh, and sometimes that's like, it's the confidence as a sort of headline act, i.e. they come and they say, I, I want to feel more confident. Please can you help me with that? And other times, actually much more frequently we uncover a lack of confidence as the sort of underpinning issue so they might say I want to be you know I've got this new role and I need to be more strategic um can you help me make that transition and actually what you uncover possibly quite quickly is that they're telling themselves something about their lack of strategic ability. You know, actually it's a, it's, it's a doubt that's holding it back rather than a kind of capability. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's, that's part of it. I can feel good about the individuals who I personally coach and how I can support them. Um, but that's quite limited. And actually the access to coaching is quite limited because it's quite, it's pretty exclusive just because it's quite expensive um so at this kind of idea that what if you could package up some of the some of what's really helpful about having a coach into a book that is therefore it's much more accessible because it's it's Mm -hmm. not hundreds of pounds an hour and it is um available 24 7 etc etc so there's something about it being a coaching offer Mm. And then I guess the other part, the other way to answer that question is the the idea that we all have confidence. It's just that it is easier or harder to access. And the it's almost back to you know kind of my belief as a coach um, that individuals have what they need. They just sometimes need help to reach it, to find it, to access it. And in this case, it's kind of this idea that you have. You have your confidence. It just might be tricky to reach. And through the coach yourself is in kind of practical terms, there's just, there's lots of activities in the book that are, you know, some will work for some people, some will work for others, but ways to help them to find, to get even clearer about their own relationship with their self doubt, with their confidence and how they can feel confident more often. Hmm. So, cool. So a whole bunch of tools they can self-coach with. Um, yes. Imagine yeah. from your learnings and experience of having been coaching people for years. Um, yeah. Yeah. A, a reflection is the, the, you know, way in my language, the way you put that is that what's at source is something around confidence, whether they're going to be more strategic or, or stepping into a new role. Yeah whatever it's going to be. And um, I was mentored by a person called Ed Percival for for years and passed away a number of years ago. And he had at that point been coaching in different forms for 50 years. Wow. And the longer he did it, the less he said. 
And the longer he did it, the simpler his advice became. So there is yeah. the Da Vinci phrase that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And whenever, and it just, Ed's voice pops up in my head quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, and listening to you, his, he distilled 50 years experience into three words. Be more you. That's and, just fabulous, isn't it? Yeah. And so uh, how do I look at coaching like you? I, my thoughts around it, again, in my words, a coaching mindset is the belief that the, the answers lie within the client to a very, very large yeah. extent. So it's our job to listen deeply and to shine a light on that and to believe in them and to acknowledge them. Um, yes. And ultimately, but philosophically for me, it's all about helping somebody be more themselves. Be, I, I was literally in a conversation earlier today with somebody and I said, look, you know, who's struggling with LinkedIn. And I said, you know, well, you just put a very open personal post up there a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. My encouragement is just be completely authentic. The more you mm-hmm. be out there. Yeah. And the more people are going to like it. And in, in, I work, yeah. like, I work with leaders and language I often use them is how you show up. Yes. Um, it's not about the words. It's about the energy. It's about the passion they have. And so mm-hmm. um, I think it's very exciting. Uh, so to yeah. reflect one piece around this um, is, um, <laughs> sorry, I just was distracted by my technology in the background. So let me just recenter myself. Um no, my, by the way, it is, we're still working, Julie. We are still going out live. Good. Okay. Yeah. Glitches uh, and all. Yeah. A, a small glitch. So what, so what I was coming to, to think, to asking you was, um, I, I too have looked at writing a book. Um, mm. I, and I've also been asked to do TED talks and stuff like this, but both of which yeah. took a lot of preparation, a lot of focus, a lot of dedication. Um, yeah. It's a bit like being an entrepreneur, and whenever I've asked somebody to be like, "Why did you start your business?" They often go, "I couldn't not do it." They were like driven <laughs> to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not about the rationality; it's about they had to. So I, I imagine to have the drive to go through the entire process of having twenty published books behind you, and again, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's the what was the passion and drive behind getting the idea out there? Oh, that's actually a really good, a good question. I'm not avoiding it, but I just want to say it might, something might come to me. I want to say something in response to what you shared about your mentor, because it was just beautiful. It was really beautiful. Um, there was so much that resonated. I love the idea of the, the more experienced as a coach, the less he said. Hmm. Um, I do think there's a, you know, I have this idea that we could offer just kind of sending some sort of voice recorder to our clients and they can record themselves for an hour and then listen to it back. And they would get an enormous amount of value that there's, mm. um, yeah, even without, you know, without us being there. But anyway, it, it's not about what we say. It's about how the client is able to see their own thinking and actually just listening to a, back to a recording would do that. Um, the other thing I wanted to come back on was the be more you. I mean, that's just, it's beautiful and it's beautiful in its simplicity. Um, and I think there's a real thread of that in the, in the book that's about part of how you, perhaps part of how you find or access your confidence is 
giving yourself permission to to be you and not to to avoid the very real temptation to sort of shape yourself somehow to please others or to meet the expectations of others or to fit a mold that you think is needed so it just feels like that's a really really profound idea the be more you and it's one of those things that's it's simple but it's it's a life's work at the same time it's yeah it's not kind of easy to do um yeah it's it's, uh, i i will prevent us from disappearing into coach speak too much but it's very byron katie so it's like it's the work (laughs) yes a well-known personal development author um, yeah yeah um, yeah and worth worth looking up which is uh yeah really good so you asked me Tom about the kind of passion and drive to write the book hmm. um yeah I think that's really interesting so I think there is some I think interestingly I, the, I'm definitely my own kind of confidence case study um and the, the reason I say that now is that I think some of the drive to write the book is probably a bit of a proving self mm-hmm. which is um connects to a uh, well connects to a kind of a need to prove and a and a, a degree of self-doubt a lack of confidence so I think there's something in it actually there's something enmeshed in the writing of the book that's about feeding what continues to be a sort of um yeah ongoing ongoing work on my own confidence mm-hmm. um I think there's something that is it is about I'm trying to find a way that doesn't sound really cliched, but that is in the territory of serving others or making a difference or something around that. That I, you know, I my I guess because my hope is that it is genuinely useful to someone or something. Mm-hmm. That's that's my hope, and I know that I have been and can be genuinely useful to people as a as their coach, as their in person coach. Mm-hmm. I'd love, I'd really love the idea that yeah. a book can reach more, can reach more people. I don't think it's going to be a big, you know, it's not going to be a big bestseller and, and that's not, that's not the goal. I'm not, I don't feel attached to that, but I do get really excited about the fact that there, I hope there will be people who read it who are, they're not reading it because they know me. Or they connect to me in some ways. They come across it, and the idea speaks to them. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that so part of the subtitle is "Ditch the self-doubt tax," and I just think that idea perhaps speaks to people. The idea that there is a cost to a lack of confidence that we could, if I could help some people to stop paying that or to reduce the cost mm. of their lack of confidence, that mm. feels really really good like just really yeah good it feels like good work to do um i i did look at your website and some of the things you've written and um about yourself and what drives you around that and this it immediately occurs to me that um you know dr carol dweck's work around the book mindset around growth mindset fixed mindset and yeah. uh in a few minutes you'll be an alumnus of the show uh so, so somebody else who's been on it is my good friend chip conley who, yes. Um, and Chip is lovely at distilling thoughts. And he's um, part of the Modern Elder Academy curriculum is based around growth mindset. And the way he puts it is when we have a fixed mindset, we're looking to prove 
And when we have a growth mindset, we're looking to improve. But what I'd link to that from listening to you is that um, when we're, this is, these are my thoughts. When we're coming from a place of ego, that's where the proving energy can come. So some of your introspection around that, you know, this, you're, you're inquiring of yourself how much of that's there. And the second of two things she said was that it's, it, it's very purposeful. And, mm. you know, when you're coming from a place of intent or, or a sense of purpose or, uh, mm. being, being of service to me, when that's, when that's a true energy, that's, that's, yeah. that's completely absent of ego. Right. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. it's an interesting juxtaposition of inquiry you've it got. Is. Part of it's like, yeah, I'm this myself. Um, and the, that's perhaps your own small self-doubt tax. Um, yes. but, big, but a bigger part that I'm picking up from you is that you've got this, you know, your drive, your, it's, it's coming from a place of intent. Um, yes. it's like this can help people. So yeah. again, acknowledge you for that. That's really, really wonderful. Yeah. I think that's right. And I think they intertwine actually. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe that's just that, you know, when, when none of us are either growth mindset or fixed mindset, we're all a sort of a, you know, the, the, the combination of the two in different ways and different circumstances. Um, but there's something about, you know, one of those intertwining is I really do hope that it helps some people and that it lands really well with some people. And I know that it's not going to, that some people won't like it because that's reality. That's just reality. It's not going to be for everybody. And I am working on being okay with that. Like I'm not okay with that right now. Uh, I would, you know, really prefer that everyone thinks it's just brilliant. Um, so there's that, that for me is a, there is a sort of an inter, there is an intertwining. Um, and maybe there's a sort of lens of improve, which is at least I know that in myself, at least I'm aware of that and I'm, giving it a go to get to become more okay with it so there's a yeah the other way improved spoke to me actually is the i think the um the whole process mm-hmm. has been a workout for my confidence so it's been a, a you know overall a sort of an improve and i think also i can reflect on you know in some ways the book's personal not that it's about it's not the julie show it's not it's not kind of packed to my experience but it is personal in the sense that I have diminished my own payment of the self-doubt tax over time. So I can reflect on an improvement. I can reflect on and I can uh, sort of inhabit the idea that absolutely it's possible to grow. It is possible to grow in confidence, in impact, in mm. yeah, lots of other ways. Well, you strike me as somebody who is and it will be through a lot of self-work is extremely self-aware so uh, when you know emailing a bit about confidence and you're going gosh this goes out live (laughs) it's like okay it's like "Mm, there's a stretch um the thought to me is always i i look at uh, one of the things i do in studying human behavior is i focus one of my areas i look at is elite athletics and mm-hmm. when athletes are about to start their event, whether it's a hundred meter sprinter or a swimmer or a squash player or a basketball player or whatever, you'll often find them acting in ways that might seem really unusual. Right? And one of the things is they'll okay. yawn. Yes. Um, yeah. just before the event or just before they take the blocks or whatever, they might find them just yawning, really big yawn. 
And you might go, well, hang on a minute. You know, if you're a football fan and the person's going on there, you're yawning, do they not care? Are they complacent? But uh, physiologically, that's nervous energy. And if you're yeah. you're really aware of your responses towards nervousness, you can transmute that into something really positive. Yeah. So rather than holding it and bottling up, you can release that energy. So actually, yeah. if an athlete's yawning, they're normally they, they're aware of it. They've been taught it. They've been the sports psychologists or coaches says, so look, you know, how are you going to release your nerves? Usain Bolt mm-hmm. used to do it by chatting away with people. Yeah. Blocks. Yeah. And other athletes will be slapping their thighs or whatever and others do different things. But where you, where you know their performance is going to be truly terrible is when they're not nervous. Yes. Yes. You also make me think of the um, crossover between nerves and excitement. So yes. I definitely feel like kind of nervous excitement is the way I, the best description I have at the moment of, of how I feel. And um, somebody actually, I posted about doing this podcast, as you yeah. noticed about the, it's a bit scary. It's a scary thing, um, especially because it's live. And yeah. somebody um, commented, uh, a colleague of mine, Lou, commented to say, remind yeah. me of a, the connection between nerves and excitement and it was Simon Sinek talking about you know you can train your body to interpret it's the same sort of physical sensations and you can interpret them as nerves and tell yourself you're nervous or you can interpret them as excitement and tell yourself you're excited and it can have a fundamentally different impact mm-hmm. um and I've really I've been sort of playing with that and I think actually that's really that was a very useful reminder um I think the other thing, and right, you know, back at the start of the um, of the half hour, you might have felt as though I was, I was sort of somehow correcting you in the introduction with the. I'm not all about confidence, but part part of what that did for me actually is I find that if I'm feeling a bit nervous, actually it's best to just voice that. It's best to acknowledge it, get it out, put it out into the to the to the lease with whether it's a group, whether it's an individual, and that in itself helps to dissipate it. Um, so there's, yeah, there's some, I guess there's something about recognising, knowing what that looks like for you and what what helps to move beyond it. That's a great um, Julie Smith tip. Uh, <laughs> and I was absolutely fascinating. I loved the fact you responded that way because you picked me up on something. You did it firmly and confidently. And I went, well, in every, uh, my, my biggest influence in my thinking and philosophy is Viktor Frankl. So we always have a choice as to how we respond to any stimulus. Yeah. So you took one choice and my response was, my role here is to be a supportive host. I, I made a, 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 what felt in that moment like a, like an error, right? And I thought, to what level am I going to apologize for this? Because I don't want to shift the energy. Right. Yeah. I will apologize, but I will firstly say, well, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Um, and so I took mm-hmm. a learning from my instinct and it was, it was great. I mean, the, the, the biggest part of that was it was like, there was a confidence booster right away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. to go a complete sidebar for a minute, it's the, you know, patriarchy runs pretty deep, right? Um, and you know, you're, Talking with us with a white male with all the privileges, you know. <laughs> um, and how easy is it in a meeting? Our mutual friend Carrie is 
she's absolutely not all about meetings, but it's her, it's one of her massive passions. It's just, can we just do meetings better? And, you know, anybody who ever runs a meeting should be, should be learning from Carrie, right? Um, she has a, literally has a PhD in meetings from Cambridge University. Um, yeah, she's you and I both brilliant. Know. Yeah. Um, but I know Carrie really well. And she can, you know, in a, and she talks about this quite historically. She'd quite easily just sit in the background in the meeting. And, mm. you know, she's, mm. is, uh, somebody with a lot of energy. And so you can actually feel that energy, right? Like, yeah. and what you did at the beginning was like, that's, uh, that's exactly what she would teach somebody to do. Like, speak up, mm. say your, say your piece. Don't wait till the end of the meeting. And, uh, you know, I wish mm. you hadn't introduced me that way or whatever. <laughs> it's like, so. sure. Yeah. But what you, you, what you also bring up to me there, Tom, is this, this, what happens, I think, in a lot of meetings or a lot of interactions even, and it, and it does connect to confidence, is this, um, the amount of second guessing that can go on. So mm-hmm. in that moment, there, will, there was a part of me that was thinking, I don't want to, I don't want to appear rude mm-hmm. to you, to anybody else who listens. I don't want to make you feel bad in some way. I don't want to make you feel as though you've made a mistake because it wasn't. And it just, so there's this, there's this, you know, amazing energy that gets tied up in unhelpfully tied up in kind of second guessing. And I think in a meeting situation, often then the moment is gone, you know, it's passed and you, you, you sort of sit with perhaps some regret that you didn't voice it. So it's just, it's, yeah, I think it's sometimes really interesting. This feels like sometimes in a coaching conversation where you can um, use a small moment and learn so much from it. And it's almost represents something else that happens or, or a, um, pattern beyond that particular instance well if we were to consider that um imagine it was a client and they come on for like i typically talk to my clients an hour a week on zoom wherever they are yeah. and what comes, yeah. so what's on your mind today once you've done the usual small talk warm-up or whatever and they'll go and it could have been i was in a meeting the other day and somebody said something in the first two minutes and i really felt like i should have said something directly in response i never did and i've been yeah. thinking about it ever since Yes. To which as a coach, you just go, okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, yeah. And the other thing that strikes me about that is how that's an example of us carrying something for a mm. number of days and, and continuing to sort of, um, almost a sort of time travel that, you know, now we're talking about what comes next. We've done some kind of present moment stuff. That example with that person in a coaching session is unhelpfully ruminating perhaps about yeah that was a thing that happened and i i should have said something i wish i'd said something and i didn't um and yeah i guess the space with you is an opportunity to maybe make that a more helpful reflection and what do you make of that as opposed to i feel bad about myself that i didn't speak up in that moment yeah yeah cool um well i do look to keep these reasonably punchy to about half an hour yeah. As you said, we, we did chat for a few minutes before. Um, and I love that you came on five, five minutes too. Some guests, I will say don't. Um, but it's also <laughs> a great way to warm up because even that, those few minutes let you get a sense for who's the person I'm talking to. But yeah. if it's 15, 20 minutes, then you end up taken away from the conversation because you're, you're kind of into it. But we did say, well, you know, that's half hour's probably going to fly by. So I think it has for me. Um, it has for me. Yeah. So, what I do like to do is to let my guests have the, the closing words. So what thoughts do you have as we come to the, come to the close of our conversation? Uh, I think my 
I think actually my thoughts are back to the post that I did saying uh, I'm feeling a bit nervous looking ahead to the podcast. Here are some of the things that I think I'm going to do. What tips do you have? And, you know, a number of people talked about <clears throat> reminding me that I can have a conversation, but I've been right. able to do that for a number of decades. And that's all it is. And this sort of idea of just be engage in the conversation, be in relationship with Tom, who is in front of you, virtually in front of you, and forget about everybody else. And I think what I'm just reflecting on now as we come to the end is actually that was just really possible to do. And genuinely the time has flown by because when you're engaged and interested, that's what tends to happen. So thank you. And thank you. It's been really cool. Um, and I've, you know, I feel I could ramble on for ages, but uh, we could, we could, we're just getting started. So maybe we can continue another time. Uh, but uh, thank you very much on behalf of our uh, podcast guests. Um, it's, it's been, uh, I'm sure they will appreciate it. And now your live uh, half an hour unedited will live on the internet forever, Julie. <laughs> Thanks for that, Tom. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Thank you. And goodbye. Bye.